Welcome back, Primetimers. Charlie Stevens, your host, and this is Primetime DC, bringing together the best in venture capital to compete around the hottest topics in tech. What are we talking about today? Elon Musk partners up with Microsoft to go against Amazon. Digital health tech startups and investing in underrepresented founders. Now let's meet our top venture capitalist walking into today's Thunderdome. Lolita Tab, co-founder, general partner, the Community Fund. They call me Lolita as a service, and for short, they call me Lass. Having fun with a pun? Good way to start off. Eric Bond, co-founder, general partner, the Hustle Fund. Hey guys, great to be here. I'm ready to mansplain over my two esteemed female colleagues here. Eric, you're outnumbered today. Be careful, all right? Last, Christy Pitts, general partner, Backstage Capital. Hey, I bring the energy to VC. Hey, I like the excitement. That's how we're gonna get the show started. This is how it's gonna work. We're gonna talk about the latest news in tech, innovation, and funding, and our venture capitalists are gonna give their take. We're gonna give them points based on style, stats, and facts. The two VCs with the most points move on to the finals into the world-famous money round. Winner takes all, including the platform to promote whatever they like. Now let's jump in to the most electric show in business entertainment. It's Primetime VC, the show of accredited banking. Primetime VC is supported by First Republic Bank, banking built for innovators. Trinet, expertly human HR solutions. Brex, scale your business faster with Brex. Cash management and corporate cards for your team in 10 minutes or less. Use our link in the show description to sign up today. E2 Generations, we solve problems that live on Excel. Fox Rothschild, nimble, entrepreneurial, resourceful, qualities you want in your lawyer. Go to foxrothschild.com to learn more about their startup and venture capital practice. First in. Investments in digital health and mental health startups have quadrupled since 2015 and will most likely continue to grow. What are the most exciting verticals, trends, and companies that are making an impact on this space. Lolita, the floor is yours. Well, I'm very bullish on companies that are supporting populations that have been uh, historically underserved. Be and, and that's because startups are popping up to meet those demands. So there's a couple examples. Uh, there's Ayana Therapy that is focused on mental health for people of color. And then you have more affordable pricing for health assessment kits for people that may not have insurance like Everly Well. Uh, and then I also see a trend coming our way with empowering women in the bedroom. So education and pleasure in sex tech. Uh, one company that I'm following is Unbound. Mm, shouts to CEO Polly Rodriguez, doing big things over there. Uh, over to Christy, your thoughts on the digital health and mental health space. 
Alright, so I agree with what Lolita, Lolita just said about sex tech. Um, it's an area that we've been bullish on at Backstage Capital for quite some time. So we have multiple portfolio companies in that space, including Laurels, which exists to close the orgasm gap. Um, I'm also bullish on women's health in general. So I think um, there are some statistics out there. For example, that there's more money spent on research into male pattern baldness than there is on women's health as a whole. And um, that's a huge overlooked opportunity because women make up half of the population. So one of our portfolio companies that's solving this problem is a company called Mommy, M-A-H-M-E-E. -E. We were one of the very first investors and Mommy addresses pre and postnatal needs for mothers and newborns. And they're in through their work, they're also closing the racial uh, mater maternal mater mortality numbers. Um, and then finally, I think that mental health is just as important. Um, and I think that we're going to see continued um, transition of mental health services online. Uh, our company, The Difference, provides um, access to therapy and making it affordable for everyone. All right, Eric, what are some of the most exciting verticals, trends, and companies that you're seeing? I think it's no surprise or not controversial to say that the U.S. healthcare system is largely a big failure. It's focused on reactive medicine versus uh, preventative medicine. So I'm excited about the continued personalization of medicine that is going to be um, heralded, I think, by the startups that are building into this space. Um, one of the things that gets me excited is actually expanding the definition of care beyond just traditional med uh, Western medicine into functional medicine as well. We have a company called Rupa Health that provides telehealth services for those who are trying to reach a functional practitioner like a chiropractor, um, uh, an acupuncturist and so forth. And I do think that that's gonna be a critical part of care moving forward too. And in addition to that too, like Christy, like Lolita, I get very excited about women's health. And I think that there's an inflection point happening right now where things that were considered women's issues that were icky for men, uh, is starting to become real opportunities that people should invest in. One that gets me excited, menstrual blood. Turns out that half the population is women, turns out. And I think there's a lot of data and preventative care options by examining and um, taking advantage of this medium. So I'm excited to invest in that space. I have to say that um, investing in period tech is great because it's a recurring market every month for most women. Yeah, it stops around the 50s and 60s maybe, but yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Yes, I, I do too, I do too. This is getting uh, good right off the bat. We're starting off positive and strong. Uh, with a lot of opportunities we're sharing here. So let's get into the second question, all right? Yale's $32 billion endowment fund recently announced to firms managing the school's money to hire more women and minorities or possibly lose the university's backing. When it comes to investing in underrepresented founders, the headlines don't really move the needle. What are some of the best fund strategies and leaders in VC that you see helping change the landscape? Christy? You kick us off here. All right, I feel like this question is a little bit of a layup because my firm Backstage Capital is at the forefront of the effort to diversify investing and tech and VC. And since 2015, we have invested more than $12 million in more than 150 companies led by women, people of color, and LGBTQ founders. 
And when we got started, um, a lot of this conversation was about the impact of the work to diversify a VC. But in reality, the reason why we're in this business is to make some money for ourselves and our and our investors, our LPs. But I think it's important to note that we don't do this work alone. From the very beginning, others in the ecosystem have helped us and we're starting to see many more angels and other firms emerge that have a similar thesis. Um, one that just recently was in the headlines is a firm called Chingona Ventures, um, which is based in Chicago and led by Samara. And um, it's about damn time that more firms and more people are investing with a similar thesis as we are because a rising tide lifts these boats and we have the opportunity to make a lot of money here. Shout out to Samara. Uh, that's, that's good. Eric, yourself over here. So VC finance is a bunch of white and Asian dudes like myself. And I think that uh, representation really matters. My hero is actually my colleague Lolita. I think that uh, having someone who has a great voice, someone that knows how to communicate well to share her truth with a lot of courage and just actually just shows up as herself, full and authentic. That's been my experience with Lolita ever since I've got a chance to know her. So if we get a couple more leaders like her, her uh, starting funds, becoming GPs, but also very importantly, being elevated into general partner roles in existing established funds, that I think is going to seriously move the needle. I think you get 10 points for that, Eric. <laughs> I'm just going to take all your points on this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lolita, t take it away here. Uh, well, uh, I love this question because as Christy mentioned, Backstage is definitely one of the funds that is investing in underestimated founders so that we are essentially seeing what is uh, the outcome in the market of Backstage Capital's um, work. Christy, Arlen have been at it for years. And as Christy mentioned, there's a bunch of ecosystem members that form part of the Backstage Capital uh, community and I am very honored and humbled to be also a backstage alumni um, and part of the crew back in the day. But I love what they're doing. Two other two other models: the fund to funds model. So I really like what Lo is doing at Plexo Capital, where she's investing in underestimated emerging fund managers. And lastly, I'd love to talk about the community fund because we are increasing the number of investors from underestimated backgrounds ourselves. And so these are the three models that I'm bullish on. And I like to shout out to the community fund, just slide in, in there. Uh, shout out to Lowe, who's been on the show before at Plexo Capital. Uh, also sh shout out to Sydney Sykes over at Black VC. I think she's doing some really uh, great stuff in the VC world. Google is about to go toe to toe with the US government over an antitrust suit filed alleging that Google uses anti-competitive tactics to preserve a monopoly for its flagship search engine. This has caused Google to slow its M&A activity in preparation for this court battle. How will these antitrust lawsuits affect the M&A landscape across the board for big tech and how will startups react? Eric, take it away. So these kinds of antitrust flare-ups tend to happen every decade. Uh, so with Microsoft in the 90s, there's some of this that came back uh, to, Mark, to Google and Microsoft's mothers a decade ago. It's, it's just a recurring cycle. And I'm largely kind of bullish on the idea that this too shall pass because largely it's directed by politics. So if there's transition in, in terms of priorities for the Department of Justice coming up, possibly, um, I think that they're, I, I actually think that the, the M&A landscape is largely not going to be affected. Now, if I'm wrong, and it turns out that M&A creates a lot of friction for, for founders to execute, uh, sort of like Plaid and Amex right now, maybe going public on uh, exchanges like uh, LTSC SPACing could be a possibility to get to some pretty serious liquidity. 
But again, I'm pretty long on the idea that m is here to stay and uh, this is just politics that will pass. Lolita, is this going to change the M&A landscape? I don't think so. I, I feel the same way as Eric. I, I don't think it'll have a significant impact on the M&A because as long as there's money to be made, I think mergers and acquisitions will continue to happen. I want to jump in and right. say, um, I do. I agree with Eric and Lolita. And I think there's one more reason why this is not going to affect the landscape, which is that Google might be pulling back right now due to the lawsuit, which means that others like Apple, Facebook, or Snap might be getting more aggressive and making moves that they wouldn't have made otherwise in terms of M&A. Yeah, Facebook could be up next, though. You think about that, too. Could be. Could be. WPP is also putting money into acquisitions as well, so maybe that evens things out. Buy or sell. This is buy or sell, where you choose you're for it and you buy, or you're against it and you sell it. Let's go. Netflix hit documentary, The Social Dilemma, explores how social media platforms have engineered addiction and privacy breaches to make profit all while leaving their users with a negative effect on mental health. Buy or sell, venture capitalists need to advise founders to alter the addictive hacks that made them successful in the first place. Eric, I think you're uh, a good candidate to start this off. I'm gonna go with sell. So while I agree that uh, social media is really harmful and there's very strong addictive properties here, I'm not necessarily in agreement that uh, design for addiction is necessarily poor. Let's say that we have founders who are trying to design for meditation, fitness, uh, going outside, spending more time with their families, getting away from computers. There could be ways of gamifying that through these kinds of addictive methodologies that could be uh, directed towards something that's much better for your life. So uh, this is a loosely held opinion, but I think I'm going to lean on self for this one. Christy, do you agree with Eric here? No, I'm in the buy camp. I think there's a new wave cresting when it comes to life on the internet. And there are companies building with a community mindset first. Um, some companies that come to mind are ones like The Grand, um, Top Knot, and a new emerger, which is called Mesh Communities. But ultimately, the reason why these, these companies are emerging is because users are demanding more from the platforms that exist. And so um, new entrants are coming to meet the need of social for 2020 and beyond. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Lolita, who, what side are you taking? I'm taking the buy side. I am totally bought into what Christy said, the grand, uh, the not mesh. I mean, these these companies are thinking about community and I mean, I'm part of the community fund. So I love this because it's true. Uh, people really care about what kind of stuff companies are doing. And so I really believe that companies, especially when they reach a certain size, they need to be held accountable for negative implications that it can have on users and customers. And also as an investor, I wouldn't want to be caught promoting mind fucking customers. Can I say that? You did, and we're using it, I like okay. it. <laughs> Eric, you're getting uh, ganged up on here. Uh, you got any rebuttals to Christy and Lolita? I don't think we're really talking about the same thing here, right? So. Uh, I, there's no disagreement that things like privacy breaches and mining of user data in harmful ways to sell to advertisers like social media is really bad. And I'd like to see that stopping. But addictive behavior, I think, has a very broad definition. Ultimately, even the services that they've cited are going to be measured on things like time on site and engagement. And you have to use some of these methods to keep your users engaged and retained for a long period of time. So, uh, I think whether or not we agree on it or, or, or disagree, 
It's actually more that these methods are here to stay. And it's more about like, what is the ethical use of these methodologies that have been very established and effective in directing it towards better human behavior and better societal. Behavior. I mean, I think Eric, you're basically uh, arguing for the buy side, I think, because honestly, like all we're saying is let's have companies be held accountable for the implications uh, that happen in using these methods. And what you're saying, if they're positive, that's great. But if they're not, maybe something should be done. And that's exactly what I was saying. I think the other thing to keep in mind too is that um, current metrics that we use to evaluate social platforms like engagement, time on site, user numbers, et cetera, are going to evolve as these platforms evolve. So we came up with those metrics as we saw these technologies and platforms rising. And I think now that we're going to, be, now that founders are developing new ways to bring people into social on the internet, there will be new ways to measure engagement that may not necessarily be about an infinite scroll or about um, number of page views, clicks or likes. And it could be about the value brought to life both online and offline. Good points all around. Uh, all I ask is when we clip this and I tag you guys to like it, maybe reshare it, I don't know, then you will use the pop-ups and it'll all work out well, for us at least, that's good. Boston-based startup company's Good Cell a company that offers personal biobanking and small panel genetic testing raised $18 million. While pro athlete backed Whoop landed $100 million for their wearable fitness strap. Buy or sell the future is now for personalized medicine to go mainstream. Christy? Bye. Everyone wants to understand and optimize their health. Um, and this, we saw this uh, previously with companies like Fitbit and Jawbone a few years ago that crested and even IPO'd. Um, and I think that this is the next iteration of that kind of technology. Um, so the trend is going to continue. Um, everybody is familiar with the concept of tracking their steps. Now we're moving into um, new things like checking your genetics, um, sleep technology optimization with companies like Aura, and um, it's, it's mainstream. So I think that this is going to continue and we're going to need to, you know, there's big opportunity being created in terms of um, personalized medicine. Lolita, thoughts on personalized medicine? Okay, so I wanna disagree with Christy and say sell, and not because I don't think this is the direction we are gonna go, but just that it's, we're not quite there yet. And I mean, we first have to figure out the whole COVID vaccine. So I think we're still a little early on, but definitely bullish on going down this path because I'd love to have personalized medicine myself. I think we all will. Uh, Eric, your thoughts on this? What side are you taking? This is definitely a strong buy for me. So the the I think the answer I have when I think about this question is like, is this the future of personalized me medicine? Is what other choice do we have? Right. So today I actually suffer from ulcerative colitis. It's an incurable inflammatory disease. Right. And it turns out that there's a lot of other people with chronic illnesses um, in today's world with reactive medicine. The way that you solve inflammation is apply steroids. Right. Prednisone, uh, dexamethasone in some cases, too, for some for certain, for certain parties. And it's really a brute force thing. It's like uh, everything looks like a nail to the hammer that is today's medicine. But it's actually making us unhealthier. Right, And I do think that we are now in an age where we have a much better understanding of microbiome, disease markers, where we can get to a far more tactical approach to personalized medicine. And this is an area that I'm going to be aggressively investing in at Hustle Fund. Yeah. And also, not to mention, we, had, we, hadn't, we haven't brought up CRISPR that won the Nobel Prize, which is obviously the now type thing. But going back to Lolita, you were the odd one out here. Do you want to rebuttal 
Eric or Christy. I mean, look, we have CRISPR, we have all sorts of technologies that are starting to prop up. All I'm saying is that we're not quite there yet. I do think we're heading in that direction and we'll have something. Just uh, maybe we won't be able to necessarily do all the things we want to do within the next decade. But maybe. I, so Lolita, all respect, but I think we already are here. I mean, like even in my case, and I'm just a data point of one, you know, I had to find my own therapeutics through my own kind of personal medicine journey, right? Like I had to take the poop samples, get them analyzed in my own private labs uh, in, in Canada. And then discovered that specific kinds of biomarkers where if I use these certain kinds of protocols, it would keep me uh, symptom free. So uh, it's there. And I think the connectivity and the connective tissue is missing. And I think that's where startups are gonna come and fill it. The recruiting and talent acquisition industry continues to be pushed online. Handshake, the college recruiting platform snags $80 million while Eightfold AI, a Bay Area based company, raised $125 million for the recruiting software. Buy or sell, this is the future for college students landing the right job after graduating. Lolita, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm a total buy on this one. It, I mean, it provides an opportunity for graduates, especially from underestimated communities, to have better access to jobs and internships because it eliminates the social capital gap that gets in the way of so many qualified people. Also, it works out because we're now more work from home and it's more convenient to figure out jobs online versus in real life. I have to disagree. I'm a sell. What does it even mean to be a college student right now during the age of COVID? I'm sitting in my teenage niece's bedroom. She's a freshman in college and her experience as a senior in high school and as a freshman is completely different than what all of us went through. Um, I'm kind of old. I joined LinkedIn in 2007 when I was still an undergraduate and I think that um, we don't, we aren't going to know what the landscape holds for recruiting and college graduates over the next couple of years as the economy rebounds from COVID. So I'm a sell on this one. I, time will tell. Eric? Yeah, I'm a buy, but almost for the exact same reasons that uh, Christy is a sell. So this notion of education credentialing is going through this incredible reset right now in our society. And uh, I think it's not only changing the nature for what education actually means for training the future workers of our economy, but also is starting to reset some of the rules in terms of like, what is the right kind of path to find these kinds of jobs, right? So if you're a, a talented hacker on the side with you know, no college education, but can use some of these tools that are starting to manifest to demonstrate your skills, I think you could be a contender to be a software engineer alongside those MIT and Waterloo grads at Facebook. Um, so I'm really excited about this entropy that we're, we're entering in this space because um, there's a lot of problems to be solved both with education, but which ties very closely to recruiting. And um, I think that Gen Z is starting to demand something different. Yeah, I would think that you may miss that in-person interview, but at the same time, what's better having a Zoom from your parents' basement or wearing an oversized suit to the interview? But I digress. Uh, Christy, you're the odd one out there. Do you want to rebuttal a little bit here? No, I think Eric is right on. And I agree that there's entropy in this market. And um, I think things like no code platforms and the ability for people to create content that it's been democratized in a massive way, even with the rise of TikTok in the last year. Um, I just feel like the uh, this landscape is shifting so rapidly. There's nowhere where I'm ready to place a bet. So I'm still a sell. Lolita? 
Last words here? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that technology and recruiting is getting even more advanced and that we're more at home and can do this recruiting situation online using AI, assessing people's behavioral value, whatever, via video and voice. I think there's a lot of progress there. And so I think uh, from a market perspective, uh, businesses that are looking for talent, I think they'll also like it. So I think that also pushes towards like a, uh, th these kinds of systems continuing to be a great way for, for graduates or alternatives, right? People who are learning trades to, to get jobs um, quickly and, and online. Sure, absolutely. Uh, great takes all around. Uh, this is the first time in the history of Primetime VC that we actually are tied at the end and we're gonna move all three of you into the finals. So congratulations. <laughs> If you guys want to talk some smack too, this is a good time to throw in some banter. Take a look. I think this is a good time for Primetime VC to have three winners. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's throw some smack at Charlie, who thinks that he can turn us against each other, right? I know. Don't you see that we love each other? I think you're the odd man out here. Yeah, I hate this guy. Can I mute? Yeah. <laughs> can I mute Lolita? Just kidding. I love you. <laughs> We love you too. We love you too, but don't put us against each other. <laughs> the money round. Congratulations, you made it to the money round. Somehow all three of you snuck in, so congratulations on that as well. Three more questions, points reset, 30 seconds each, winner takes all, let's go. Microsoft and Elon teamed up against Amazon for space cloud supremacy. This seems like the ultimate head-to-head -head matchup. What rocket ship are you riding with? Lolita, start us off. Okay. Okay, so I'm I'm on I'm team Amazon because I don't really think Satya's and Elon Musk's personalities work out too well. I feel like Satya is more level-headed and Elon Musk not so much. Um, also, Amazon has done really great on execution, while both Microsoft and Elon Musk haven't as well. I mean, just think of Tesla's Cybertruck. Okay. Eric, who are you taking here? I'm going to go with Microsoft and Elon. So if I'm literally thinking about which rocket ship I prefer to ride on, uh, I mean, if you ride a Tesla versus like my current Honda Accord, it feels like I'm already on a spaceship in terms of the future. So you know that that rocket ship is gonna be able to, is gonna be super styling, right? That's part one. I guess part two is like, they've already launched a rocket, it's called Falcon Heavy, that goes up and down, uh, at least Elon has. So I think they got a bit of a head start there. Okay, Christy, who are you taking? All right, I gotta say Microsoft and Elon here. Um, SpaceX and Starlink are way ahead of Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos' space company. Um, Microsoft would be smart to partner with Elon on cloud specifically to dominate the intergalactic cloud because I think AWS does have a toehold here on Earth, but um, Elon has already been out executing uh, the Blue Origin and Microsoft has this opportunity to really take the cloud in space. Okay, all right, Wait, this is this is a tight one right mm. here. This is a tight one, I like this. Yeah, Move I mean, do I get to rebuttal or no? I just stay quiet. Okay, guys. I don't know, we've never had three people, but I'll give you, I'll give you 10 seconds. I'll say is that watch out Jeff Bezos is coming and he's gonna land on the moon or wherever he wants to go first. I'll definitely bet you a dollar on that one that Elon wins. Okay. Two dollars. Okay. Two dollars against that. I will take your three dollars. I will take them. Bezos needs to come on primetime VC first before he goes to the moon. 
All right, moving on. Linktree, a startup that lets you unify your entire digital ecosystem by connecting audiences to all your content with just one link, raised $10.7 million. Is the simplicity of Linktree's product too good to be true? Eric, what do you think? I'm just gonna say, uh, confess that I have no freaking idea why this Linktree thing is actually working. I mean, to me, when I engage in it, it's just a simple landing page. You can construct this on Webflow. It's not that even hard to get them to sync and change using Zapier or something else. So yeah, it's really simple and it's really amazing that they raise this money. I just don't get it. Christy, what do you think? Um, so I think Linktree is not too good to be true because it's already ubiquitous. And I see it on Instagram, um, whenever, whether it's like a shopping site or it's an influencer. And the reality is that it's so simple to update and it's a no code solution. Uh, I think there's other players like Webflow that Eric mentioned, or even Notion that are very competitive to Linktree, but I think that it's, it has a, a good toehold in the market. Not too good to be true. Lolita, you gonna take the other side here or are you gonna agree with everybody again? I, I am. I'm gonna take Eric's side on this one because I like Tree because it's so easy to link all my links in one place. Uh, but I don't know about that 10.7 million. I mean, I don't understand the monetization strategy and then the replicability of such a simple app. I don't know. I use the free version and that's enough for me. It's got 8 million users and 28,000 per day. So it's uh, definitely coming up there. And it's its first raise too. It's their first round. So that has to mean something. I know, something. but do you remember like Delicious? I mean, like there's like permutations of this stuff in like Web 1.02. Uh, they raised a good amount of money as well and congratulations to them. But I, I, I'm an old man here. Actually, Chris, I'm older than you. So I think this might be a That's an achievement, Eric. <laughs> CB Insights co-founder and CEO Nan Sanwal recently analyzed over 100 cold emails and found 95% of them sucked. What's the most creative way a founder has successfully pitched you? Christy? We love you. cold pitches. There's not a cold pitch that we won't take. Uh, we have an open application process through our website, backstagecapital.com slash apply. Um, we have monthly open office hours and we're all on social media. I've gotten pitches myself through Twitter DM, Instagram stories, responses through LinkedIn and through email, and we make investments that way. So I really thought about this, like what is the most creative way a founder has successfully pitched us and is taking advantage of these existing options. So come talk to us at Backstage. We, we want to hear from you and you can come any way. Come as you are. All right, social media. I think people need to be more creative in pitching you. Eric, what do you think? Any creative All pitches? All right, I'm going to pitch Hustle Fund on this one too. So we take cold pitches also. And our very biggest exit to date out of Fund One came from a cold pitch uh, that produced a pretty huge uh, return for our investors. But the most creative pitch was a cereal box that the founder sent me that says Hustle Fund Flakes. And then on the back was their pitch. So I got this one a couple of weeks ago. I thought that was enormously creative, but I kind of disagree with the choice of stock images they use for my face as well as Elizabeth's face. I'm a little bit offended by the lack of effort there. They got the FaceTime though, at least. Maybe it's not the right face. They got the FaceTime. Lolita, give us a creative pitch that you've seen that work. I, I have to just say that the same, I'm, I'm on the camp of Christy. I have also been super open about cold outreach, uh, especially because 
in in Silicon Valley, I think there's there's an old trope of you have to get a warm intro if you're worth uh, the time. Um, but I'm also really big on on cold outreach. And so at the Community Fund, which is the website is thecommunity.vc, we also have an open application, and I I love looking through our decks um, and companies. I think one one cool way that I've seen um, pitches nowadays is having a Loom pre-recorded pitch and then just have kind of the traction bullet points in a DM. Um, I really like that because it's like short, sweet to the point. Um, and so Twitter has been a big, a big deal flow um, funnel for me, but I am seeing it on Instagram. I'm seeing it on Slack workspaces and I'm here for it. Like come at me if you have a great company and it's community driven, maybe I'll fund you. Those are all good. Here's a fun fact. I used to sneak into the NFL draft and happened to bump into NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana, who happens to be a venture capital investor as well. Pitched him. It did not end well. Almost got kicked out, but I digress. Now I have to kick out two of you and award a winner. Eric, you had the best prop. Christy had the best energy, but Lolita, you are the primetime VC winner. The confetti will drop. Platform is yours. The final word. All right. Well, first of all, I want to shout out Eric and Christy because they are two of my favorite VCs ever. Christy, because she's just like no bullshit, but so, so into like investing in companies that others will be overlooking because of no good reason. And we're co-investors. One of our startups just uh, announced their race, Suma. And we're so excited for Suma. Uh, and then Eric and I, we have a project that we've been working on in secrecy. It will come out next year because Eric was paranoid about what would happen if we did it during election period. And I said, okay, let's do it. So there's going to be more, more to come from that. And I just have to say, Eric taught me this question um, to ask founders when I meet them. And I had never thought about asking it in this way, which is what happens if everything goes well? And I think that's kind of the perspective that we need to take as opposed to here's why we don't want to invest in you. More of a what can we do to make a great investment and to Christy's point earlier, make a shitload of money. I'm, I'm also going to shout out the community fund, my partner, Jesse Middleton, uh, and I have put together a really awesome team of 11 investment partners that come from all types of backgrounds. So from a demographics perspective, I think we're the most diverse at this time and we're ready to go and meet people where they are and just find really great community driven companies um, that are ready to become unicorns. Three things that we look for in community driven companies are companies where the customers identify as members uh, and then the members have a, a space for them to create value for each other. And then finally, they start that marketing sales flywheel that reduces the CAC and just makes the company more successful. And so we're super excited to invest in community-driven companies and make outsized returns. I'm in particular very interested in increasing the dollars going into underestimated founders creating community-driven companies. Thanks for watching Primetime VC, your go-to source for accredited banter, bringing together the best venture capital to compete around the hottest topics in tech. Please share, subscribe, and like this on any platform you watch it, and 
Be sure to check out our sponsors in the bio, click on them, connect with them. They're the ones helping us grow this and supporting us. So support that, all right? We appreciate that. We'll see you next week. We appreciate you watching. Talk to you soon.